Hello, hello, boils and ghouls. This is your uh, creepy sidekick, Pussy Fester. <laughs> it's just, uh, can I get in my feelings right at the top? Yeah. I look, this is four weeks a year I get to do this. Yep. And I've lost one. I have lost one already, and I just, I don't know who I am right now. <laughs> you don't seem like your heart's in it today. And I'd like to introduce my what, creepy co-host, my co-host, <laughs> sure. co-host, Naomi, boo, long pause, tea, so that it's not the plus theory. Yeah. It's just such a curse. It's a, a Halloween curse, a spooktacular curse from beyond the grave. Well, thanks for being a trooper and showing it's, up today anyway. Um, is the music too scary? We can give them a break from the music. All right. Oh, oh. All right, we got an episode for you today. Let's get into it. I'm going to yeah. give it my full heart. I'm going right. to give it everything I have. Do it. The voice be darned. Today we are talking about uh, the Suspiria. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got, we don't have too much on the list of topics to tackle. We've got, um, we got nudity right at the top for me. I got to get into that one. No, don't take that. <laughs> it sounded bad coming out. Um, I'll st- should I just stop talking? Is that your only topic? You just want to talk no, about No, no, no. I want to talk a little bit about exposition. Um, Space Cadet Me might come up and uh, storytelling telling basics might be, might be tackled today. But before we get into... Oh, and I'd like to pitch a film, if I may. Yes, of course. And can I give you the title? I'm thinking we should put the title at the precap. Sure. Because it's going to be in the title of the episode anyway, so why Yeah, no spoilers Yang. there. Stillborn. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I'm back. I'm not, I I didn't die two weeks ago. Um, Before we get into that, did you have any feelings? And if so, what were they this week? Mostly, Jesse, I have been feeling remorse. Really? Why? I'm so sorry that you caught my cold. You don't have to take all the credit. I think there's something going around okay. the greater Los right. Angeles area. When you called in sick the other day, I felt really bad. <laughs> no, don't don't take it to heart. I've been enjoying it. The, oh, what I will tell you is um, there is no there is no Freddie song. Oh, really? We will have it tag, tagged on to the episode, but clearly, like I'm not yeah. busting fat funky rhymes <laughs> like this. Got it. There's there's sick on the mic, and there's sick on the mic, yeah. and n- never the twain shall meet. Got it. Um, uh, feelings. Yeah. Uh, you're forgiven, first of all. So. Thank you. Uh, did I have feelings? I felt sick this week. Yeah, you <laughs> sound like it. Pretty much it. That's the only emotion I felt. Oh, and an un- unbridled, overwhelming joy at having seen Suspiria nice. for the first time in my life. Is this a joy shared across the table? I'm glad that I saw it. That was also my first time. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I can check it off the list. I mm-hmm. do not share your unbridled joy for it. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Well, actually that's, I think that's for the better. Cause, uh, that's, um, space good at me. I was walking around the, the, the house this morning thinking like, I've got nothing to say. It's yeah. just perfect. What's there to say? <laughs> so, um, I'm looking forward to learning what was wrong with the film and we'll get, we'll get into all of that, uh, because it is now time for The talk. (laughs) Here we are, folks. This is what it's going to be like. Please bear with us. I will try not to talk too much. And when I do talk, I will try to give it my full heart. Um, The summary. Would you be kind enough to give us a summary of Suspiria? I mean, there's just so much plot in that film. It's it's teeming with story (laughs) and character interaction. Here's the logline that I stole off of IMDb so that I wouldn't have to think of one. Okay. Mm-hmm. An American newcomer to a prestigious German ballet academy comes to realize that the school is a front for something sinister amid a series of grisly murders. That sounds way more filmic than what we saw. Yep, that sounds it does. Way, that is an accurate description of the movie. It is. I think that one of the first problems with the movie is apparent in the logline, which is that the only thing the main character has to do is realize something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She realizes it. She, she realizes it pretty late. And, and then she and then she does something kind of in the last ten minutes. With but. with great exposition from those around her. She <laughs> right. does very little yes. sleuthing on her own from exactly. her hospital bed. Small problem in my mind. Yeah. Let's get to your opinion first though, because you I'd like to start with the good. 
I loved it. I loved it for two reasons. And the first is that it was just a, a beautiful film to look at. The whole time, my, my eyes were beyond entertained. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second thing about it is this is one of those films that uh, high, it doesn't hide behind, but I think it has the option to hide behind that beautiful shield of, well, that's not the point right. of this film. So kind of any criticism that can, and I imagine will, be <laughs> levied against it, um, there's always just in your back pocket that, well, that's not, that's for other movies. This, sure. Let's just keep this one purely what it is. Right. And and so what is that? What? How would you describe what's the point of this movie then? Um, the point of the movie is I, I, I took it as a mood piece, Mm -hmm. a celebration of style, Mm -hmm. um, maybe not a celebration of substance. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and just like a, like a, like it's a moving painting. Mm -hmm. And in those, in those terms, on those terms, I think it works beautifully on greater terms. It does not. And that's, Okay, because that's not the point of this one. Well, so I don't disagree with you there. I think it it is a visually cool movie. And I think, um, you know, just in doing a little bit of research for this, I looked at some of the reviews that were written at the time it was released in mm-hmm. 1977 and then some of the sort of like in hindsight reviews about it. And all of them, you know, even the positive reviews have a problem with the fact that there's very little story happening and yeah. and they all compliment the movie on the visual style, the achievement in that regard, but not in the plot or, you know, character, which I mean, if I've, if I've not made this clear, mm-hmm. I love movies, but I, I love movies for the storytelling, not for yeah. the filmmaking. I am yeah. not a film nerd. I like stories, right? Okay. And so I can watch a movie like this and I can appreciate the fact that he did some cool stuff visually, yeah. but this movie did not engage me at all. And I feel like if if your point isn't to engage the audience, then why are you making this movie? Like make the movie and show it to your mom. It's, that's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but I, I was wholly engaged. I watched it a second time even. And yeah. the second time I loved it even more than the first time. Yeah. So, um, and I think, I, I think that has been an underlying theme and it's really nice to hear it ver- vo- ver- vocalized that you love stories mm-hmm. and movies are a very efficient story delivery right. method, but it is, it, it, I, you haven't said I love stories yet. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, I, so I like, again, things like Mad Max Fury Road, which we watched a few weeks ago, I can appreciate that yeah, for yeah, the achievement yeah. of it. Um, that one has a stronger story. So there are things in that movie that I, that I like and that can still keep me on board. But the first time I saw it, I wasn't as impressed, remember, because there's so much about it that's just visual spectacle. And I'm like, I want the character. I want you to give me somebody to care about, make me care about them and then put them on a journey, you know? Yep, 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 yep. So... All they give you to care about this girl is that she is caught in the rain. Right. That's it. Which is not enough. Not enough. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Unless it's beautifully shot and the music is perfect. Yeah. Still not enough. Because that is a mistake I think that um, aspiring screenwriters make often, which is like, I'm going to show you somebody who's having a small misfortune Mm -hmm. and then they're going to be in danger. So obviously you're going to care about them because it's a life or death situation that isn't enough. It's I, the people who are reading your script are cold and cynical and we don't care about people just because they're people. You have to show us why we care about them. There's also, I think, um, just in, in filmmaking in general, especially young filmmakers and there's that, that like it worked for the auteur. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give it my best effort, but you can't, you aren't Dario Argento. You aren't Quentin Tarantino. And all you're going to do is feel like a, a cheap, cheap knockoff. Yeah. This is, I do think that this is a masterpiece of visual, vis, visualization, not mm-hmm. even visual storytelling, but just visualization. Sure. Um, and if it, 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 the stuff that I think works in Suspiria, I don't think would work on a $20,000, $100,000 student film. Mm-hmm. This is somebody who's just has, the resources of Europe at his fingertips and, uh, and a definite vision. Uh, don't, don't, don't copy Suspiria <laughs> or Tarantino. That's my, that's your takeaway. I'm in grandpa mode today. If you haven't noticed, Got it. um, what, what worked? Did it, what did work for you? If anything, um, are, can we say some kind words? Well, so, I mean, I think that there are f- for the, for the year that it was made, right. Mm-hmm. And the time that it was made, um, 
some of the practical effects that, that he used and that he achieved, right. Were, mm-hmm. were cool. And I mean, things like falling in a pit of razor wire, that's terrifying. That was the, none of the movies scared me. That got me off the couch. <laughs> I was so surprised by that. Did not see it coming. That was the one moment that I perked up that I was like, Whoa, that's yeah. bad, <laughs> you know? But I mean, uh, is that enough for, for an hour and 40 minutes? <laughs> Apparently not for, for you. That's the most memorable thing from the movie for me. So, you know, that, that, that was, I think my favorite part other than the look of my, we can, yeah. I'll stop hammering that now. I think it's well in the wood at this point. I will say that I, I may be harder on this movie too, because I was disappointed by it. I wanted to love it because oh, I yeah. do love yep. horror movies and, um, and the legacy of this. And one. I got to say, I love dance movies. So you put a ballerina in a movie and I'm on board. <laughs> this should have been a home run. <laughs> I am. I should have been pleased by this. And instead I, you know, it's like at a dance Academy. Cool. I want to see some yeah. really good dancing and some creepy stuff. And I didn't feel like I, it didn't deliver for me. That's, can I jump on nudity? Okay, can we nudity. talk about nudity for sure. a Sure. What would you like to say about nudity, Jesse? Just that without ever showing any nudity, all of the girls at the academy felt naked to me. Like there's, there's, there's... That might be a personal thing. <laughs> I can't wait because I'm not, I'm not ring-a-ding sharp today. Like I can't sing them back. But, but there's, there's the... Like there's, there's the physical state of nudity, but then there's the emotional state of nudity. Mm. And, and I do like it when films play with the emotional state of nudity. When the, when the, when the, uh, matron of the whole school opened the door to reveal all the students when you first find out, mm-hmm. you know, who's there and they're all getting ready for class. Mm-hmm. Um, it just was so many people in so much danger, whatever it was, mm. it was a real, like a, a hand grenade and the pin was pulled. Don't know if it really popped, but, <laughs> right. but it, the, the feeling of like, this is just so much vulnerability. Mm. These are all young women whose only skill is being graceful. Right. They're not going to be able to defend themselves. And I, maybe I do wish that there had been more instances where they were put to the test of whether or not they could defend themselves. Yeah. Cause the one raisin, razor ribbon and then. Yeah. The story was over. I mean, I don't even um, mind, I guess, that the, the the majority of the women weren't, you know, sort of put in a position where they had to defend themselves. Like you're saying, uh, I would like the main character to have to <laughs> defend herself a little bit more and to be more proactive about what yeah. she's doing. Really? You don't think napping is a strong choice for the second <laughs> half of Act Two? I know. <laughs> no, sorry. Um, uh, I did read that that character was based on Sleeping Beauty, oh, okay. which makes a lot of sense. Yep, she did yep, a yep. lot of sleeping. Yep. yep. <laughs> it's kind of her primary activity. Um, but what I, but what did disappoint me about the lack of dancing is just, I think that's such a visual thing that's so easily used, mm-hmm. you know, for, for cool visual effect. Yep. And, it, and I felt like that wasn't used and I didn't get to see a lot of dancing. And the dancing they did have was not choreographed. It was no. just like, all right, girls frolic. <laughs> and then they frolicked <laughs> and her being really tired and being unable to do the dancing. Well, yes. <laughs> like, okay, cool. It made me wonder how hard is it to act tired? Cause I've never seen somebody <laughs> flop around like that. I mean like, Oh wow. That must be really exhausting. Right. Yeah. It just always feels really phony that well I feel like most of the performances in this movie were pretty over the top as far as um you know the authenticity level but see that's the point of the film Uh that's the whole that's the you can say that as much much as you like but (laughs) but it doesn't make it a better film (laughs) no are you looking forward to the remake then? That's- I'm totally looking forward to the remake. Why? Because I watched the trailer for it and it okay. looks good. <laughs> like they also, filled in half the log line? I feel like there's missing? much more story involved. Um, you can tell just by the, well, what they imply with the trailer yeah. is that there is much more story involved. Um, and from the log line that they use with the trailer, it's um, they're involving three characters instead of just one. So the, the story sort of centers around those three, I think, which will give it more, more plot, more people doing things, which will help move yeah. the story along. Um, it, from the trailer, it looks like it's much more focused on solving the mystery of what's happening, which is what mm-hmm. it should be doing like that. If you can hook the audience with a question and yeah, keep us yeah. engaged, that is a strong engine, right? There was only one question with one answer. Mm-hmm. And we found out that question like halfway through the movie 
They don't even front load the mystery in which, this movie. Which question are you talking uh, the about? The Iris secret. Oh, right, right. Like it's, you're halfway done with the film before the... the right. Well, I mean, the question really should have been, what is happening? Except no one was trying to find out what was happening. Nobody was interested yeah. in these murders. It right. was, well, that's what happened. Right. Oh, cool. So if nobody in the movie cares, we're certainly not going yeah, to care. Yeah, and there's, yeah. there's that line between confusion and mystery. And they, for me, veered much more towards confusion. It was yeah, like, here yeah. are just a bunch of things that are happening. Nobody cares. We're just going to keep going and yes. show you weird stuff. It was built on a bed of ambivalence. <laughs> but... The but that's the thing is for me the weird stuff was so beautiful like the sets were so cool. That's just not enough for me. That's fine. That's <laughs> totally totally okay. What was the um, exposition? Can we talk about sure. that before? And then I I think we should be getting into storytelling basics. Okay. Because I think that there's a lot to cover in storytelling. I think basics. so. Yeah. Um, exposition is always such a thorny game for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 I used to hate one thing the most for exposition, and that's when the TV would get turned on and the news would say, well, it, this just in, right. zombie outbreak in all of North America. And then that's like, that's yeah. your, I hate getting exposition through the news, which is why I did not make it through District 9. Mm. That movie is just the news telling you the story. <laughs> There's one thing I dislike more than the news. A therapist. <laughs> going to a professor's convention and asking uh. professors, so what do you think about this? Right. This idea. And then the professor monologues. That's yeah. just, it's so tacky. Yeah. I mean, and I, and we are not gauche. Gosh, how do you pronounce that word even? Gauche. gauche uh-huh. on, on movies, the podcast. We do not appreciate the tacky here. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I probably could have forgiven that if they had made me really curious about the answer, to be mm-hmm. honest. Like if that question, what is going on, was important from the very beginning and I saw her trying to solve that question all the way through and this was the final thing where she finally tracked down these people that, who were going to give her information she needed, I probably could have been on board. But yep. it's like that that was a you know news drop yes. in the middle of a, a series of events that like basically didn't lead up to it at all. It didn't like make us anticipate getting that information. So you remember yeah. on a quiet place was when I was saying like, there's too much conflict in these scenes, no. the, the, like the little girl fighting, wanting to go to the river, oh, and the little uh, boy, not wanting to go to the river right. and the dad mandating that the one who did, like, it was just too much. Every, all the gears grinding against each mm-hmm. other with so-so justification, but we aren't reopening that Pandora's box. This was no conflict. She did no work on the research, had yeah. no trouble finding the answers, yeah. picked up the phone, was told where to go. Yep. The guy had half the answers and said, oh, that guy in the, over there has the rest of your answers. Yeah. You know yeah. who you should talk to? This guy, I'll introduce you. <laughs> How convenient that he is here in the same quad that yeah. we are. Yeah. Beautifully shot, though, the scene was. Uh, yeah. I'm going to have to give you the point on this one. Okay. I'll take is, it. Is this... Let's, let's pull back. Let's look mm-hmm. at the macro of movies, the podcast. Am I not analytic and intellectual enough? <laughs> it seems like you often crowbar my opinion. <laughs> Crowbar. That sounds like I'm being so mean about no, your opinion. No, no, no but, here's the thing. We appreciate movies for different reasons. Yeah. You are much more a filmmaker. I am much more interested in stories. And those, sometimes you get both of those things in a movie, but you don't always, right? Yeah. So if a movie does the work to engage me emotionally, I will forgive it so many filmmaking sins. And for you, I think if a, if a movie has genuine value from a filmmaking point of view, you will be engaged regardless of what they do character and plot wise. So let me agree with you emphatically. (laughs) You crowbarred nothing right there. Um, what, what, what gets me excited more than anything else in a movie is when you can feel the DNA of the filmmakers on it. Mm -hmm. So when, when I see like Mad Max Mm -hmm. or, uh, or Suspiria, the DNA, the thumbprint is, is Mm -hmm. indelible. Right. There's no question that this is somebody's, somebody's core being. Yeah. A quiet place, maybe not so much. It felt like a safer. Sure. I don't want to say flatter because it wasn't flat, but it it feels less. It's a less auteur experience though, right? Yeah, yeah. And I feel like, don't force your auteur experience on me if you're not thinking about me at all. You know what I mean? Yes, like I, yeah, I want yeah. you to entertain me. I don't want you to entertain yourself. Yes. Are there any <laughs> auteurs? We're we're off the rails at this point, but are there any auteurs that do like come through with that full on DNA that speak to you personally? Oh, that's a good question. Um 
Hmm. It's a tough one because the only people I can think of at the moment are um, Quentin Tarantino. Is Scorsese auteur? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think people would say he is, right? It's, uh, they're really his. They they do have his DNA. Yeah. Without having any of that like obnoxious me, me, me to right. them. I tend to like his movies probably more than other sort of auteur films, right? Yeah. Because they are more character based. Um, what about old Tim Burton? I like Tim Burton. Yeah. That makes him sound like he has a big old beard and he lives in the mountains. <laughs> you know who I dislike? I think you and I both agree on this is David Lynch. David, oh, um, I would say I dislike David Lynch, but I can't even make it through. Like I've watched, I've, yeah. I've watched one through, I forget which one. And I tried to watch others. All the, I saw the elephant man all the way through this. It just, I, I doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> click. I don't know what it is yeah. about him that people get, but they. Suspiria to me felt like a David Lynch movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> there have harsher words been spake on movies of the podcast. Then you know what? That's where we diverge. I mean, that's, I mean, that's really the, the basis for most of the uh, disagreements, I think, in our opinions. So. But here we are still bridging the gap in, <laughs> sure. in modern America. And I think that's a, a blessed sure. event. <laughs> What I'd like to do is uh, pull back and get some of that and an, an, an analysis going. All right. Uh, f- uh, and I'd love it if you would talk about the storytelling basics as we get into... The device. <laughs> All right. Give your, your poor throat a, a break here. Thank you. I will have questions, I'm sure, throughout because I, I don't know the basics. <laughs> Well, so I was thinking, you know, after I watched this movie and I was thinking that really disappointed me. I'm sorry that disappointed me, but it did. Um, And I was trying to think, what was it? Where did it fall apart for me? Right. And that's really when I'm reading scripts, that's often the same question that I'm that I'm kind of trying to answer Mm -hmm. is uh, I, I always say that there are two reader red flags, right? Anger and boredom. And so when you're reading a script um, to learn from it, I think if you just read and let yourself be engaged by it until one of those red flags pops up, mm-hmm. and then when you are feeling either bored or angry, <laughs> ask yourself why, right? Like, what is it that's missing from this script that, you know, what's the script not giving me that's making me feel angry, <laughs> frustrated, yeah, or bored? Yeah. If it's, you know, lacking stakes, you're probably bored. If you're confused, it, you're probably feeling frustrated and angry, right? And confusion is probably because they didn't give you the right information. So anyway, that's a a quick summary of how I think you can approach reading scripts to sort of learn and and begin to analyze them. But um, I was thinking about this script and I was thinking if this script came across my desk today, how would I have reacted to it? And I think for myself and for most readers in the industry, this script would not make it very far in a contest or, you know, being passed along to anyone else who, who matters because they didn't give me a main character to care about, which yeah. is the first, you know, if we, if we think about like the, what is a story, right. And I think the the common thing that people say is it's about somebody who wants something very badly and goes after it, uh, against great obstacles or, or great opposition. Yeah. There wasn't someone who wanted something very badly in this movie and they weren't going after anything. And there wasn't, I mean, there was danger, but it wasn't, there's nothing to oppose if they're not going after something, right? So those are the storytelling basics that I feel like if you remade this movie and we'll see if they do this, right? You would, you would focus your efforts on creating a main character that we cared about who did have a story goal. That's the the thing that they're going to be pursuing, right? Um, So make that clear to us. What are they trying to achieve in this movie? uh, If it's, and I'm kind of predicting here on the remake, but if the main character in the remake is still Susie Banyan, is that her name? The, the dancer? If you know any of the names, you're miles <laughs> ahead of me. I'm pretty sure it was Susie Banyan. Uh, so if that if they're keeping the same main character in the remake, I guarantee you, well, no, I don't guarantee you. If it's a good movie, if it's a well-crafted movie, um, what they will need to do is throw her into this situation in a way that makes us care about her because she is, you know, either an underdog or she's mentally unstable or she, uh, this is her greatest dream and she's given up everything else. She comes to the dance Academy and then weird things start happening. And so there's a question, what is happening? Is it me? Is it them? Is it something I should be worried about? Break into two. She's going to start trying to answer that question and solve her problem of like, I really want to succeed in this dance Academy. How am I going to do it? It's going to be by solving this other problem that I have, which is there's weird stuff happening and it's hindering me from getting what I really want. Right. So I think that if this move, if this script as the original had Mm -hmm. come across my desk, those, those would be the reasons that I would pass on it. It would be, 
you know, I couldn't tell who the main character was because it started out with Susie Banyan and then it went to Sarah, I think later, right? If you know any of the names, you're way ahead of me. (laughs) Right. So Susie, when she started sleeping a lot, then Sarah took over and she started um, falling into pits full of razor wire. And um, then it went back to Susie. But because Susie had been out of commission for long enough and didn't seem to care about what was happening anyway... I didn't care about yeah. her solving the problem. And also I didn't know what she really wanted because she was at this, at this dance academy, but it didn't seem to bother her that she was getting really tired all the time and not able to dance. There was no stakes involved there. Right. Um, anyway, so that would have been my first complaint. I can't tell who the main character is. I can't mm-hmm. tell what they want yep, and yep. nobody's trying to do anything. And so there's just no narrative momentum in the script. That would be my, my main complaint. Okay. Sorry. That's fine. Sorry to tear apart your favorite movie. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're fine. You're fine. And you're bringing up a lot of, a lot, like the, sometimes we got to review the basics. <laughs> That's okay. Yes. Um, so those are the basics. So when you are, I mean, and these are things that you're doing very well in the pitches that you're giving to me, right? You're giving me a main character who wants something uh-oh. very badly. It sounds like you're challenging me to pitch really <laughs> well today. I am. It's in your genre. It's in the it's, genre that you love. Uh, and that I can't do well as we've established time and again. <laughs> and it's inspired by a movie that you love. But but yes, giving me a main character yes. to, that I can care about for some reason, showing me what they want and why they want it is vital. And then showing me that they're pursuing that thing even though there are lots of things standing in their way. That is You are going to hate today's pitch. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> yes. So am I just going to be repeating myself? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to feel anger and boredom by the time I'm done pitching. Can I just bring up one example really quick before we move on to the pitch? Absolutely. We can keep going with storytelling basics because there's a lot they missed. They didn't do any real three-act structure. Yeah, I mean... She shows up, stuff happens, and then the most stuff happens at the end. Right. And because three-act structure really is dependent on a goal. It's dependent on a character having a goal that they're pursuing because that's what they launch in act. That's the beginning of act two. That's what they launch into. Right. So that's what gives us the turn into act two. When people say like, I need a stronger turn. It's because you're not telling them with enough clarity or enough emphasis or enough, um, sort of emotional investment, what the character is trying to pursue for the rest of the movie. And that's the turn into act two. I always, I always like the, the, I think, I think of act one as the question and act three as the answer. Like what, mm. what? Oh, or something, whatever it is, <laughs> that's the simplest version of it. But this asked no real question in act one answered no real question yeah. in act three. Yeah. I think of act one as context mm-hmm. act two as complications, right. Mm-hmm. To the, to the story goal. And then act three is resolution. Um, but you don't have a, why don't you go context, complication, conclusion? Okay. Cause then you have, I'll start using that. Yeah. You got, they got the alliteration. <laughs> but I that, like resolution because it really is the resolution of the yeah. problem. And yeah, yeah. The yeah. emotional stuff, but con resolution, <laughs> con solution, con solution. <laughs> Boom. New we're word. brilliant. Done. Ring the bell. We're out. <laughs> um, so the example that I wanted to bring up just for contrast yes. though, have yes. you seen black swan? Uh, the first half. You did not like Black Swan. Well, look, here's the thing. I'd already seen The Wrestler. Okay, that's fair. Those movies were actually conceived to sort of be one movie and split apart. So No, no, no. It was... And I I just like... I couldn't... It was not fun for me. Like, I get it. She's going to go into the absolute bottom of human depravity and uh, like she's going to wreck herself for whatever this is. So I actually think Black Swan is the better version of Suspiria at this point. Wow. Yeah. Why? It's a bunch of dancers. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's a better film, first of all. Well, I mean, if you think about it, like a lot of the elements are similar. Mm-hmm. It's it's dancers in a, not really a dance academy, but same kind of idea. Yeah. Um, they give us a, a character that I can care about right away because they show me that this is a, a girl who is under the overbearing protection of her mother and desperately wants to get out and be her own person. But Mm -hmm. her mom's basically holding her hostage. Um, so I can empathize with her right away. They show me that she wants something very badly, which is to be the prima ballerina. Um, she auditions, she's struggling to get that role. She gets the role. Uh, and then she's slowly losing her mind, which is getting in the way of her fulfilling her biggest dream. So I care about that. You know, that's the one where, where she reads the, the cast list and someone else is at the top when she reads it, like she misreads it. And says congratulations to the girl who didn't get it. Uh, similar. She she thinks that the other girl got it because she thinks she blew her audition. Basically, her little private audition with the mm-hmm. with the dance uh, the director. Oh, okay, okay. She she thinks she screwed up that meeting, mm-hmm. and because she she 
kissed him, I think, or he kissed her and she bit him. Right. Mm -hmm. And so she assumes that he's giving the role to the other girl. Uh, so she congratulates the other girl when she sees her and then the list is posted and the girl sees that she didn't get it. And she thinks she did it on purpose. Yeah. 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 Jerk. Ooh, so catty. <laughs> so messy at that, that ballet school. Well, if I had to pick a dance film that this is most like, I would go with Magical Michael. Uh. <laughs> My favorite dance movie. Yeah, similar genres. Similar themes. They really explore them in similar ways. I can get behind Magical Michael because... Maybe gave me cares, characters to care about. I would say I do think part two of Magical Michael has as little story as Suspiria has. There's now I don't remember part two, but I'll go see. Back that's and, what I'm see. I'll go back and revisit. Go back it. and rewatch it. <laughs> the, all they do is spread the holy gospel of male stripping. Was there a part three or was it just the two? No, there's okay. Just then the I two. do remember two. That's so, the one yeah. with Andy McDowell. Yeah, uh, what? Andy McDowell. Really? Yeah, North Carolina's Pride and Joy. I remember Ex Jada Pride Pinkett. and Joy. I remember Jada Pinkett. Oh yeah, she's at the 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 thing at the end, or is she at the I'm dinner just party. Screwing up all of these. Okay, well since we're not actually watching Magical Michael this week, let's, we don't let's have move to. On. Let's move on to. <laughs> the pitch. <laughs> all right, what we've got today? We got something called Stillborn, and I suppose this should have had a, it should have been a red flag when I could not think of a logline. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there is a logline possible, but if you check my notes, there is no poster tag. There's no logline. So well, that is a creepy title. So you're off to a good start. And it it is it is one that is uh, hauntingly not already taken by another movie. Mm-hmm. I checked IMDb. It might be like a short film or something. But I honestly think that's because that's right there on towing the line of of taste. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's where I feel most comfortable. <laughs> All right, you ready for you ready for stillborn? Yep. Um, so I'll just I'll get into it. There's no logline. I'm really coming up short. I didn't do my homework. That's all right. Let's hear it. Meridine is our main girl. Okay. Uh, she's a newlywed. Now this whole film. One thing that's important is uh, this is kind of maybe sort of an auteur film. Did, did, you, did you see Lord, uh, not Lord of the Rings? Um, Little Shop of Horrors. I did. Yeah. You remember the somewhere that's green song? No. Uh, where where Ellen Green oh, is yes, dreaming yes. about a, mm-hmm. a better life than yep. Skid Row. Yeah, this whole film takes place in somewhere that's green, that okay. kind of like homes and gardens. Okay. from the fifties, yeah. other world of of perfect perfect okay. homekeeping. Uh, so she's a newlywed. She is ready to pop. She's got that bump. Uh, she's very excited to glow every day. And her her she's got a, a book club called the Ladybugs, and they're all a tizzy with excitement. She's going to be the first mom of the Ladybugs. Of course, they went to to high school together, and then whoever went to the two years of secretary college. To, so they've been friends for. Is a while. this actually a period movie? Does it take place in the fifties, or just that vibe? Just it takes place uh, just this side of reality. Okay, like it's not. 1950. You know, right. it's, it's not tethered to America. It's a in the world 50s. that looks like the 1950s, yeah. but it's not yeah. necessarily. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, out, outside of time, outside yeah. of reality okay. film. Um, oh, and can I talk to you for a minute off topic? <laughs> sure. <Okay. laughs> I found this delightful resource online. So usually when I'm doing my. My uh, outlines, I'm using the, the some version of the Blake Snyder beat sheet, which is this huge piece of homework, very mm-hmm. complicated arrows and lines and check boxes and work so home play. Funny. I don't even I don't even know what that is. I haven't seen it. It's uh, I think it's like a fan made interpretation oh, okay. and uh, endless complication. OK, the save the cat. I was I was plucking around online mm-hmm. and I found um, this this place is called uh, right and co.com. <laughs> And there were these, this thing called the, the, the springboards, uh-huh. seven springboards and eight sequences. Uh-huh. So I thought like, why don't I I'll wean myself off of this endlessly dense piece of, piece of writing equipment and get on, uh, you know, okay. like the, 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 the gazelle. Sure. So instead are you, of the are you about it. to tell me that you switched from save the cat to my, to write and my requested or my um, suggested method for outlining. And then you came up with a story that you couldn't log line. <laughs> <laughs> I feel yes. like this is not an endorsement. <laughs> but it's not your fault that I couldn't okay. logline it. Right, I'm not good. putting that on you. <laughs> the the what I liked about the springboard thing was mm-hmm. that it's um it's 
really like uh, stimulus response yeah. based, which is a, a good way to get ideas mm-hmm. out in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and, and this one was helped a lot by like, what, what's the stimulus? What's going to change in the world? Mm-hmm. And then how do the people respond to that? Then yeah. what changes, what catches them off guard next? Well, good. I'm glad that was helpful. So it was, it was, it was, it was and it good. came at a very timely point and I'm good. glad it was there. <laughs> All right. We'll get to, we'll get back to write and go at the end of the show when All we right. do our, our names and blogs. Um, springboard one. Okay. The baby is born dead. I shouldn't have sound so. <laughs> That was a a strange delivery for that that piece of information. I'm a bit loopy. I've been sick for a week. Cut me some slack. Uh, So sequence two is really the uh, for sale baby shoes never used sequence Mm -hmm. of the film. Okay. Where their world becomes very dark and very cold. And how do we process this? What do we do with this? Um, How do we go on? Yeah. 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 Um, Springboard two. The, the depression is, is sinking in deep. I mean, this is sequence two is kind of the curve mm-hmm. down. Um, but what, what happens is that her husband isn't the ally that one might hope for. I mean, this is like that alternate fifties ish mm-hmm. world. Yeah. And he just doesn't have the vocabulary sure. or the understanding to, to process it. And the best he can do is, uh, that like, hey, you just got to fake it till you make it, love, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And like, mm-hmm. just go back to what you were doing and soon enough it'll be what you are doing. Yeah. And I'd love to talk to you more, but I really have to get back to work. He's a, an upwardly mobile fella. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, uh, yeah, tells her, fake it till you make it. Okay. Um, any, any thoughts, questions, any no, no, no. huge problems so far? Sequence three then, let's get into it. She gets a part-time job as a meat maid. Is that a thing? What is a meat maid? Like, so at, at a... She vending meat? Yeah, yeah. At a at a butcher, there'll be like the back where they do the, the oh, carving. Is this a 50s thing? Or a Pennsylvania now oh, thing. okay. <laughs> we still never have heard that phrase before. meat maids, and the meat maids are at the front. Got it, okay. Like, they'll be the ones cutting, once the hawks okay. are, are pared down from the well, animal. I like it. I learned something new. All cut right. them up and wrap them up and give them okay. to you. And they... they chat and giggle. It's like a lot of the Mennonite girls do, do oh, this job. Okay. Um, Interesting. So she gets, she gets a job as a meat maid. This is not to say that she's a Mennonite. It's okay. just the job. Um, she presses the dresses. She hosts the roasts. She washes the linens. Is this too bouncy for the type of pitch it's supposed to be? It's an interesting tone. But remember, we're like going for that kind of veneer yeah, so feel sort, of it. You're sort of going uh, like absurd horror. It's that was horror, not horror. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, not absurd, but it is. It has kind of like this pasty coating on top of it in mm-hmm. my mind, a little bit like John Waters. But mm-hmm. I want the he doesn't ever get creepy, creepy. Like if mm-hmm. the creepy stuff could be yeah. really creepy. Yeah, I mean it is. A, I guess a little bit Tim Burton, right? Yeah. Okay. I, and the depression could be really depressing. Mm-hmm. Then I think we can have a lot of fun with this this veneer. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this this kind of uh, somewhere that's green feel. She washes the linens, and uh, every night after her husband goes to sleep, she there's a half bathroom in the basement that she goes down to and just weeps uncontrollably, mm-hmm. and uh, can't can't seem to get herself to sleep. The best she can do is just cry until there are no more tears, mm-hmm. and then go back go back to bed until he wakes up. Um, so that's that's her life. Okay. Uh, springboard three. Uh, one day she is washing the dishes and she, she drops a glass and it, it uh, cuts right on her hand. And she's standing there watching the, the blood come out and it's, there's no pain to it at all. Like just the, she's watching it with curiosity and intrigue, and, you know, playing with it in her hand, rolling it around as it goes down. Mm-hmm. And then she picks up one of the shards of glass and just like goes along her arm and cuts it open and, feels no pain either there. Like mm-hmm. no, there's no way to show feeling no pain, just mm-hmm. that like blank. It's not bothering flat. Her, yeah. 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 Just the fascination, curiosity. Um, so there's that large, large gash down her arm. Uh, and then we get into sequence number four where these wounds are festering and she picks at them at night and she can keep the crying at bay as long as, she keeps these guys open and sometimes she has to open up new ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but at least she's not crying any, like at least she's mm-hmm. able to go to sleep sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, 
um, like just picking at them. And during the day, she's wearing long sleeves to cover it. And this one's healing fine. And she's able to make an, a big enough show of mm-hmm. her hand that she can keep the ladybugs distracted from what's going on on the right. rest of her and her husband distracted from what's going on on the rest of her. Um, so she just keeps it hidden and keeps it hidden and all is, all is well, all, all is too well. There might be problems, but this might not be a good long-term solution is all I'm hinting at here. Sure. Uh, springboard four. She's, she's so like happy. She's able to go out and be herself and talk to people as long as she can keep herself medicated in this way. Um, and she's, she's such a delightful meat maid that she, the, her boss offers her more hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those more hours are back in processing. Um, and she, she takes the hours. She wants, she's going to go back there and do, do the butching work. Mm-hmm. Um, or butchering. Butchering, I think. <laughs> butchering. <laughs> sure. I thought maybe that was a Pennsylvania thing too. No, no, no. <laughs> Uh, so good Lord. Everything is so fantastic. Here we are on spring road Four. Walt is convinced that his wife is, she faked it till she maked it mm-hmm. all well. So he's going to go finally take that big business trip. They're just setting up another branch in another city. Mm-hmm. And he wants, he, he's been invited by the head of the company to be oversee mm-hmm. staff training. And he's going to be gone for several weeks. And he's, this is great. You've got a full-time job. I can go do this other job. We're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. This is all, all, uh, all solutions have been accounted for so he he heads out and we go on to sequence five if we may how are we doing good yeah okay empty house is too much for uh for meridine um the the processing room of the butchery becomes home for her Mm -hmm. uh because she she feels a real kinship with the meat that she gets to cut up all day Mm -hmm. um and necrosis has taken over her her flesh like because she won't let it heal like it's just all this dead skin and the death is spreading throughout her body mm-hmm. um uh and she's obviously pulling back from book club missing more mm-hmm. more meetings um leaving early if she does show up acting strange if they bump into each other at the grocery store not, things are not going well mm-hmm. the cracks are starting to show sure. <laughs> Um, she started uh, springboard six. She starts uh, compulsively putting meat in her pocket and taking it home. <laughs> That's um, weird. <laughs> uh, soon she fills up the fridge and, uh, but doesn't stop. So she's filling up the counters with all this meat. Mm-hmm. So her house is just becoming a, a host to pounds and pounds of rotting, mm-hmm. rotting meat mm-hmm. as is she. Um, and the, 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 f- Flies come, and with the flies come the maggots, and they find home, not just on the food, but inside of her, and she doesn't reject them at mm-hmm. all. Have you done any reading on maggot therapy? No. Please don't, <laughs> and we'll leave it there. Okay. We don't want to lose any more viewers. I know we just lost half our audience <laughs> on that sentence alone. Um, sequence six. Uh, House and her are rotting terribly. There's, There's no... There's no win happening at all. And outside, she's universally avoided. When she goes to the grocery store, uh, the aisles clear out. She has the stench Mm -hmm. of death on her. Um, Processing is the only place where she can breathe, where people aren't repulsed by her because it just smells like death and and rotting animals. It smells like dead, bleeding animals anyway. Mm -hmm. So she blends in fine. Nobody is repulsed by her. She's wearing the mask and the arm guards and the full suit, the gloves. Yeah aprons so there's no real hint of what's going on actually inside of her body mm-hmm. um so she can she can breathe easy there um springboard six. so there's kind of like this weird piece going on inside of mm-hmm. her that is not peace at all springboard six if we may um one of the ladybugs comes to check on her after she's missed several of the the meetings of the of the book club and is horrified for obvious reasons mm-hmm. at what she finds at, at, at Meridine's house. Uh, the ladybug calls Walt who, who speeds on home and into act three. Um, anything so far that's jumping out? Are we um, good? I, so I actually really like the idea of the story and mm-hmm. I get the sort of, um, I think style wise, you were talking about kind of a glossy veneer to this. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of remove, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because the one thing I think that 
that stands out to me as missing right mm-hmm. now is a sense of what's at stake. So, and that's not a pun. <laughs> that is not a pun. Um, Cause you don't do that. As <laughs> far I, as I, know. I don't think of them, but um, so, so that's the one thing that's missing, but I don't know that that's entirely a problem. If mm-hmm. like, just for example, if you were going to make this movie and it was your auteur film and mm-hmm. you wanted a certain distance and remove that lack of stakes might not be an issue for you because you want us to to sort of be observing this story, not necessarily emotionally in this story, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so that's my one comment right now. But I think that again, I'm I based on what you would be trying to achieve if you were going to make this movie. I don't know that that's necessarily a uh, a note that you need to take. And it's it, yeah, it, I'm setting up one of those. Well, that's not the point of this. Sure. Thing. But here's the thing: is what I would like to talk to once we finish Act Three. What I would like to talk about with you is um, what could we do to make her to make the audience like latch on to this main character. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you don't have that, then it's kind of like a third person perspective of like, Ooh, that's kind of silly mm-hmm. at the beginning. And Ooh, that's kind of gross right. as we go down exactly. the spiral. But if, if, if it can mean more than that, why would we not try to embed a little mm-hmm. bit more meaning and pathos yeah. into what we build? Yeah. Um, so let's, let's, let's uh, plow through act three and see what we can do mm-hmm. to, okay. to, to clean this, this, uh, <laughs> Self-indulgent mess up. Sequence seven. Walt arrives and is wholly unequipped to help his wife out of the place she's in. This is like way, way out of his league. Um, and that that uh, that only gives her more reason to turn inward that her her unhelpful husband is there to not help her. He, he's trying. I think his heart is in the right place. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't have the equipment. To, I don't have the equipment. <laughs> if I came home to this, sure. I would not know what to do. Right. Um, and Springboard 7, don't know if this counts because this is internal and not external really, but Meridine doesn't want saving. Mm-hmm. She prefers the company of the meat and the maggots mm-hmm. to anything else she's known in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, so from there, it becomes a, 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 a struggle of wills, which becomes a struggle of physical self mm-hmm. uh, between the two of them. And there's one who has much more experience in the in the execution department of a, of a butchery than the other. Mm-hmm. So you can guess where it would go. <laughs> the and all right cool um yeah how can we how, what can we so, do how can so we very, fix it so a nice dark ending i mean i like that i you know what this kind of reminds me of although not nearly as comedic is um the voices did you ever see that i think I that's what not. it was called it was the ryan reynolds movie where he and and that one again much more comedic right mm-hmm. dark comedy but um he plays a guy who is mentally unstable and he is, turns out to be a serial killer and the people that he, the women that he's mm-hmm. killing, he's keeping their heads in his apartment and they are speaking to him. Right. Um, but it's a comedy. And, yeah, yeah. uh, but the, the visual style of it is that sort of like when we see the world through his point of view, it's candy colored and mm-hmm. beautiful and glossy. And then, and then like sort of, I think at some point in the movie, we start to realize like that's just his perspective. And then we see the rest of the world Ah, as it really is. That's a good, yeah. Um, and the script is really good. A good conceit. Yeah. Uh, but so this reminds me of that a little bit in that it has that sort of, um, it, it has that sort of, uh, alternate reality quality to it Mm -hmm. where it's like, we're, we're, we know we're not in reality, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a, specific kind of story, I think. Um, but you were asking about stakes and like, how can you make this, like if you didn't want to do sort of that version or if you wanted to do your version, but try to ground it in like that emotional hook, right. To, to get your audience kind of engaged on an emotional level. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are a couple things that you can do. Show us why it, why her, so you were saying, let me just back up. You were saying mm-hmm. that she doesn't really want anything or she's not really trying to pursue anything in the movie, but I, I think she is. I think what she's trying to pursue, basically what her husband tells her to pursue is getting her life back together, right? Mm-hmm. So she has had this devastating loss and she's trying to put the pieces back together and find happiness and peace again, right? Or find some some way yeah. to go on, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. even though that's not a you know concrete external thing, so that makes it a little bit more difficult to plot around, that is a strong thing that she's trying to pursue. And I think it's a relatable thing mm-hmm. that people can can look at. So I think 
in the first act, one of the things that you can do in your context section Mm -hmm. is show us why that's so important to her. Um, Is it that, you know, she is, you know, the tropey version is probably she had some other loss in her past that this baby was going to make up for. And so now having having lost the new baby, she feels like there's there's no reason to go on living. Right. Yeah. Um, so what she fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Right. Shame right. On me. So she's she's misguided in her efforts. That's to- not the expression. Once bitten, twice. I was the expression <laughs> oh, my brain was looking for. So close, please. You can can blame the cough syrup. It's okay. Please continue. Yeah, I'm sipping scissor, y'all. But if you can show us why, why this, why that baby that she lost mattered so much to her Mm -hmm. so that we can kind of emotionally get on board and like want her to find a way to go on. I think that that can be enough because then we see her weird way of doing it. It's sort of like, oh, I really want her to succeed, but this is a really weird way of doing it. I think that's actually a really fun way to do a story is if you can get us on board with the character before things go weird. And then, Mm -hmm. and then we're rooting for them even when they're doing weird stuff. And so it's like a weird uh, sort of cognitive dissonance for us yeah, that we're yeah. rooting for her, even though she's putting rotten meat in her pockets. You know, <laughs> I think that that can be a really interesting way to kind of get us on board, board with her. The, um, the more conventional way I think of doing it, the, like if you wanted to go the more Babadook way, right. <laughs> is give her another kid. Then there's a kid at date at risk. There's a kid's life that she's endangering by not being the mother she needs to be, right? Then you put some other life at stake, and then that can get us sort of emotionally invested in like, no, 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 pull it together, woman. You gotta, you gotta do this, you know. I, I, the first one feels very tropey, but um, I think that is more in tune. Like it is really about isolation, and I feel like if there's a kid at stake, she'd come back from it. and I, I don't want her to come back. Well, I mean, sort of the the message that you're sending with the movie, or it's not really a message, but I, but the kind of thematic idea that you're exploring here, right, is that like after this loss, she wants to disconnect from the living world. She's yeah. more comfortable with death. Yeah, like yeah, that, it yeah. feels at home to her, which is which is an idea. It that is a very dark direction to go, and I'm not sure that that lends itself to a movie where we're sort of like all that emotionally engaged with the, well, I, you know, I take that back. I think you can do it in a way that we're, we are emotionally engaged with the character and because I'm such a good writer. Yeah. That's why, that's why. (laughs) No, I think it's all about the context. It's like setting, setting it up in the beginning, getting us on board with her in the beginning, showing us why this was so devastating to her. It's like, obvious you get a, you get a shortcut because I think anyone could sort of look at that situation and go, Ooh, that would really be terrible. But I think the work that you do around that um, to show us just how much her life is falling apart and probably even if her husband doesn't have the tools to sort of help her, if you can show us the genuine love between them so that yes. we, we know that there is something that she's losing by leaving the living world. You know what I mean? He does love her. And yeah. I think she loves him very, very much. It's I, just more than they're ready for. I think about that that movie, A Quiet Place, mm-hmm. um, because I there were two things I think that movie did really well, like in mm-hmm. the first um, act. It started showing us a family that really cares about each other, and they're trying to protect each other in the most dire of situations, right? So them caring about each other makes me care about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also they had that little short scene where the husband and wife dance together, and that that cements that sort of feeling of like, oh, this is a couple who, who yeah, you're laughing because no, you no, hated no, that movie. Trying, but I'm this is a couple who like, cares about each other is what, is what that said to me. I'm such a brat. If I was making that film, it would have been an Emily Blunt song that they were listening to when they danced. Emily Blunt song. Doesn't she sing? I don't think so. Who am I thinking of? I don't know. Oh, cut, delete, back to one. <laughs> Stick to your obscure rap songs. <laughs> I just dropped one on your screenwriters. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On on the forum. You can delete the post if you want. I'll look it up. <laughs> um, very obscure. This one's very, very obscure. Anyway. Uh, no, there was, there, I, do, I do agree with you. And I like, I like, I like A Quiet Place after, more after mm-hmm. we discussed it. Mm-hmm. And then more after, after I convinced I, you I was right. Yes, after you crowbarred <laughs> my stubborn self. Oh, no. No, no, no. I, what's wrong with liking something more? You can't say, oh, no, if I'm happier. <laughs> this is, <laughs> That's true. Um, no, but... Uh, is it is it too pat? Is it too uh, easy to that she wants to name the baby after her mother who died in childbirth hmm. when she was born? Is that like too Star Warsian? I don't think so. 
I mean, I think if you can find a way, you know, again, we're talking about exposition, right? If you can find a way to get that information out. Oh, you can do it in one line. You can do it. The, the husband and wife are in bed together, th- throwing names back and forth, and the husband proposes her mother's name. Yeah, there you go. And she's, really? <laughs> I hadn't even, and then they're settled. Yeah. 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 And you could, you, I mean, I you'd, mean, have, I think you'd you, need yeah. one sentence. You wouldn't right. do like a yes, monologue. Yes, absolutely. I think, yes, get, it in, the, get it, in, it in there before the tragedy happens and then it doesn't feel as much like uh, like you're trying to tr- turn No, turn no, 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 no. That would be part of the part of the set, right. part of the yeah. happy moments yeah. of, of getting ready for the yeah. arrival of this child. I think that would work. And I, think, I think they'd be on the side. <laughs> and to have, I, uh, one of the disservices I did this pitch was not naming, not giving her a friend to represent the ladybugs. Like mm-hmm. we, I want her to have somebody, mm-hmm. uh, our, our Greek choir, Mm-hmm. It doesn't even have a name in this pitch, which is a yeah. shortcoming of the pitch. She should have somebody to bounce ideas off of who isn't her husband. Yeah. I mean, I think it's okay though, because you do, even though you didn't name them, you represented this group of friends that she had that she was very clearly pulling away from. Yeah. I mean, I, what I think is really interesting about the idea and I think very clear in the pitch is that it is a story of someone who is withdrawing from the living world. Right. And it makes total sense. Obviously there was a tragedy that precipitates this and then she starts doing this and it takes an, an interesting quirky turn in that the way she does it is by surrounding herself with, with rotting so meat essentially meat. with, yeah, so with death. Meat. The meat so, budget is going to be ridiculous <laughs> on this one. Yeah. So, so I like that, um, that strange hook of it. I think that that is unique, not something I've seen before. Um, and, and the emotional component of someone who can't deal with the tragedy that she's experienced. So she's withdrawing from life. I think that that is really cool and interesting and, <laughs> and engaging. I was sweating bullets after that first half I of this episode. I actually think the version of this movie that I prefer more is the mm-hmm. one that isn't as removed, that isn't as glossy 50s, you know, whatever. That's the totally setup. fair. And that's a, like a hiding safety place I think sure. a lot of filmmakers use. Is like, yeah. aren't we being ironic? Right, right. Like, I, I think the, the grounded in reality version mm-hmm. is more interesting to me because then it's like, oh, then you really get me into the very real emotions of the of a person who could do this realistically, you know, that's fair. And I think, I think that's a a good note, not just for me, but for a lot of like a lot of beginning filmmakers and a lot of filmmakers in my generation and below is ease off the irony throttle. Like, Mm. I think we lean on that a lot Mm -hmm. and people don't like, can you build a career on snickering disconnectedly from the world, (laughs) from the back of, back of the room? Like, is that really enough to hang your hat on for film after film after film? Right. Even if it, yeah. So uh, thank you for, thank you for the feedback. I think we polished that one nice. I think you polished that one nice. No, I mean, I like the idea of it. I actually do think you could write that very quickly, like you were saying, and, um, and have a, a nice little, it's, it has a, it has a wicked sense of humor to it because of the ending. So I think that that is the kind of script that, you know, you write it well and it's this tight, little horror movie that's just quirky enough and has a wicked sense of humor because of the ending that that's the kind of script that gets passed around. It makes me think of, um, you've probably never read it, but Jeremy Slater wrote a script called pet, which made the blacklist and people, you know, thought that was so great. And it is, it's, I, I really liked the script. I, I believe they finally made it into a movie, which I haven't seen. And so I don't know if that's any good, but, um, but it has a similar tone, I think. Just a quick word on people who, uh, like on, on pitching a lot, mm-hmm. there's, there's the, have you read or have you seen, I'm spending all my time writing. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see and watch more movies, but I'm like, I'm so blocked You're up. You're watching a movie a week. What are you complaining about? I'm, I think like one a day is the prescription. Yeah. If you want to be a, a top level filmmaker, it's very, auteur, to be sure one a day. It's very hard to watch a movie a day. I did that last summer. I did 31 movies in July. Mm-hmm. I watched a movie every single day. It is very difficult to do that. If you do anything else in your yeah, day, if it's not your job, yeah. it is very difficult. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Uh, so good. Cool. Good let's, pitch. Are we good? Yeah. And then let's move on to Something, anything else. <laughs> and before we get into that, I do want to say for the record, I am not sipping scissorp. <laughs> you got, you got one. Um, sure. I, 
as long as podcasts are on the table, Absolutely. I've got one. I, the only thing off is movies. <laughs> okay. I spend is it a, a movie podcast? <laughs> no, okay. no. But I spend a lot of time listening to podcasts because I walk my dog a lot and mm-hmm. I, that's what I do when I'm walking my dog. Um, and so I listen to a lot of podcasts and my favorite type of podcast, I do listen to other things, but okay. my favorite type of podcast is true crime podcasts. Okay. So I, I recently started listening to one that... I will say that the podcast itself isn't um, the best true crime podcast I've ever heard, but I recommend it because I think it's so cool that this is happening. And it's because this is a podcast that has been put on by the Newport Beach Police Department. So they have figured out, wow, true crime podcasts are really big. People are listening to these. We might be able to leverage this to help us actually solve cases that we yes, have right yes, now. Yes. So there is a guy who who killed his wife and abandoned his three children and is on the run. And they know that he killed his wife. They've solved that part of the case. They know that Mm -hmm. he is the guilty party and he is now on the run. And so they're trying to catch him. He's a fugitive. Um, They think he might still be in California. And so the Newport police, Newport Beach Police Department put out this podcast to let people know the story of this guy, what he did. And with every, at the end of every episode, they're like, he's 5'7", he weighs 160 pounds, this is his name, here's what he looks like. So maybe somebody will hear it and be like, hey, that's the guy who moved in next door to me or whatever. You want to give us the name in this podcast? It's called uh, Countdown to Capture. Okay. And I I, hope they do catch him. I do think about that. I drove cross country this year. And I was thinking, like, how hard would it be to disappear in this country to just, you know, get yeah. a shack? And yeah, it's a good question. I don't know. You want, should that be our like a project <laughs> next year? Is we try to disappear? I have thought about that. Like, how hard would it be to um, to sort of go off the grid? Mm-hmm. And you know, I like Amazon too much. Yeah, I get all of my stuff from Amazon, and I feel like. But I think the idea like is you mine. don't get stuff anymore once you're on the grid. Oh, is like that part the of the stuff deal? Party oh, is finished. Darn it! Then I don't think I could do it. Yeah, you're mostly concerned with the eating and the sleeping. Sure. And uh, not going out in public at that point. I mean, that describes my day today. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, but I also do have an Amazon package coming today. So, oh, okay. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to. Is it something awesome or something totally lame? It's just stuff. It's like vitamins. Okay. Just stuff. (laughs) So what is, what is your something, anything else? I'm going to, I'm not going to blow any minds with this one. Okay. Uh, sunscreen y'all check it out. That stuff is wild. The older you get, the more important it is too. I I don't, do you understand how sunburn works? Uh, I mean, like you, the sun hits you for too long and then your skin is, is damaged from it. But like, I don't know what's going on if it's burning cells or (laughs) melting embryos. I don't know what's happening. (laughs) Well, I'm pretty sure it's not that one. I'm guessing it's some sort of cell damage. Yeah. All you do is put this like goop on you. (laughs) I was in the sun for, you know, okay. Do you know what sunrise is, right? I've heard of it. And sunset. Uh-huh. I was in the sun the whole time oh, between those. Yeah. You put the goop on every hour. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Yeah. No damage. It makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> I don't science. Yeah. It's just it's wild, wild stuff. Oh, good. I will I will look into it. And you smell like you've been having a great day after <laughs> you don't smell good, but you smell like you've been having fun if you put yeah. on sunscreen. Yeah. So there you go. Check it out, y'all. Okay. Go to your local pharmacy or supermarket. I'm sure you can find some sunscreen. <laughs> uh, put it on your skin and then just be outside. Cool. Well, I will say, um, you're right. That's not necessarily mind blowing, but I don't think that's what we're going for with the something, anything else. However, yes. My compliments to you. I feel like that was an improvement over racists last week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> The thoughts were not fully formed. <laughs> so we'll go with sunscreen. That's Let's good. Let's go with sunscreen. No, it's it's insane. Sunburn is baffling. The opposite is even more baffling to me. <laughs> All right. So we're good. Here's the bad news for you. I, I'm by trade. Yeah. I'm a I'm a I'm a photo taker, a filmmaker, and a heartbreaker. <laughs> By trade. By trade. Got it. <laughs> Those are my jokes. I don't know how that works. <laughs> the third business model makes no sense, but um, today I have to I have to break your heart. Are you ready? Sure. Um, there there is no Freddy Krueger rap summary right. today. You can hear it in the voice. Uh, there. Uh, so um, yeah, you're gonna hear it when the episode comes out, but you're okay. not gonna hear it at the end of this episode. Got it. The the effect will be the same for our our audience. Okay. 
Um, but just not for me. But not for you. Okay. So, well, so I, I will wait with bated breath. Please breathe between <laughs> now and then. It's going to be longer than a minute. Okay. All right. Fair. All right. And so until until next time, this is this is Pussy Fester. Oh God. <laughs> my co-host Naomi Beatty. <laughs> Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. This project was fun at first, but now I don't know. The cracks in the plaster are starting to show. The magic's only coming now and fits in and stops. Cause when the number hops, the quality drops. Five begins with sex man, ambiguous sex man. Are those girls' toes or the gentleman's pecs man? The rubbing and the loving is without protection. There's a bun in the oven and it's not a confection. Jokey joke, Freddy is the man at the cockpit. Which doesn't really square with the tone so gothic. With the moonrise shadow creep affecting the park. As the world around Alice gets ominously dark. She runs to the hospital for all that it's worth. There she sees Amanda Kruger giving some birth. The fetus is Freddy and he's got a weird arm Like the kind of arm you think would be a cause for alarm Dan gets killed in the motorcycle ride He's the one with the cables and the wires inside The force feeding Greta scene isn't that bad Then the film takes a turn for the decidedly rad Don't get excited though, I feel it should warn y'all Skateboarding Super Freddy's kind of a cornball If it sounded like the film is a big old turd pile The chapel at the end makes it all worthwhile Cuter. Part 6 takes place 10 years in the future 10 years in the future from when y'all say 10 years from the moment you decide to press play Kicking off, it's okay if you're not impressed When Freddy cosplays as the Wicked Witch of the West That's all it takes to set the tone For the knee slap and eye roll the one-liner groan Back to the psych ward, back to the time loop Nobody wants new ideas more than I do Writers are frazzled, fraying the wits Instead of inspiration, they're playing the hits Carlos is the first to meet his fragile doom It plays like a dark Bugs Bunny cartoon It's the pin drop gag Generations adored Followed by the knives gripping on the blackboard Can't say the picture play is wholly inept There's a cameo by Mr. John Christopher Depp But the bad parts are really shitty and lame Like when Spencer gets trapped in a video game It's kooky bazooki like late career Kanye it's Swear to God the film is from the mind of Joe Dante Freddy's another friend, that's just the way he acts The bastard son of 100 Maniacs He comes in my